Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. Mega, mega, mega. 
Everybody, this is Rory Sodder. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. Happy Wednesday, happy Hump Day. I hope you're having a great day. I hope it's going all accordingly wherever you are. Um, in Phoenix, Arizona, right now, where I'm coming live from, there is a bad storm, and uh, the power was out for a little bit earlier. So I'm glad that's fixed. Um, but uh, we have a huge show tonight. Um, first, of, first and foremost, like I always do, I want to thank all of my guests. Um, and the audience, the numbers just keep growing and growing. We're getting lots of people listening all over the United States and even internationally now, like I said, in many different countries. We have like, I think we're up to nine different countries where people are listening. So it's just, it's a huge blessing. And honestly, um, thank you. You know, I am beyond uh, honored and and, uh, feel very blessed. And, um, you know, we have, I want to thank my advertisers. I want to thank um, you know, my, my guests yesterday were great. We got a lot of great feedback. Uh, it was a fantastic show. Um, got a lot, uh, you know, a lot dressed, a lot, to- you know, a lot of the topics, um, you know, taken care of. We do have a lot, a lot to get to today. Um, and, uh, you know, today's show, uh, economics expert, public policy analysis, writer for townhall.com, Newsmax, Live Zet, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey, Dr. Michael Bussler will be calling in. We also have social uh, security expert, political strategist, best-selling author, and entrepreneur Michael Doherty calling in. Um, so that's, I mean, that's very exciting. And uh, the leaders of Blacks for Trump will be calling in as well. Um, and Michael Doherty has uh, been on the show many times. He's a, he's a great uh, national security expert, knows a lot, uh, great political strategist. His books are his books are awesome, um, and, and he's done very well for himself. Same with uh, Michael Bustler. So we're looking forward to uh, to that. Um, obviously, the opening story. Uh, what I want to discuss is 
you know, Trump, uh, you know, holding NATO uh, accountable. Uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, we are dealing with people, other countries, that have been taking advantage of us for so damn long. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it, 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 gets, it gets to the point where all of these past leaders, you know, you look at what they've, they've created. You, you look at the point we're at. I mean, you look at what Trump was talking about today with how, um, and I'll play that clip in a minute, but how we've been getting ripped off and these deals are unfair and there's nothing. I mean, we pay, we pay so much more than any of these other people, uh, countries involved with NATO. We, we, I mean, they don't, they don't even pay barely a fraction of what we pay. And Trump uses the word every time, reciprocal, reciprocal, reciprocal. You know, you know that's the word. And we have a, you know, and the only thing I can think of, and, you know, there, there's a few things of why we've been ripped off by NATO for so long. One of the reasons is because, you know, it, it's one of those things where they've, they've, our leaders, our leaders are not cunning, our past leaders. They have not taken care of the job. They have filled their own pockets. Or they're just plain stupid. I mean, there's, so, there's, there's a few different things this could be. I mean, if you look at the numbers with NATO, it's absolutely insane. But, Josh, I want your take. Go ahead. And then I'm going to play a clip. Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to um, our past, past leaders. And this goes, this goes back to even, you know, uh, Bush and then before him, Clinton, not only Obama, is where America was apologizing for being better than all these other countries, basically with the, some of the deals that we had set up. We're like, well, we're sorry that you can't handle your own, you know, finances and your own economy. Let, here, let's help you out a little bit. You know, it's, this, it's the same idea of us being, the, you know, the, um, the, the cop for the whole entire world, you know, and keeping the world together. It's not, it's not America's job to, in, you know, uh, guarantee prosperity for the, you know, the whole nation at, at, at the expense of our own. Exactly. I mean, we're not we're not the world police. We're not the babysitter. You know, it's just like anything in life. You got to play fair. You can't take you know you can't take advantage. But you know, it's not uh, these other countries' faults. It's our leaders' fault. It's the it's the weakness uh, and the incompetence that we've had so much in the past. And it, it's been a an epidemic. Like it's carried on. And you know, the fact that it was never officially dealt with or addressed. Uh, you know, in the past and, you know, putting us on fair and, and, and a playing field is disgraceful. This shouldn't just be trick. I mean, look what Trump is cleaning up. Look at the mess. He, I mean, look what he has to deal with. If you really look at the numbers and the aspects of NATO, it's sickening how many years we've been taken advantage of. And these, I mean, it's the United States. It, yeah, go ahead, Valerie. The United States has been paying 69%. And all yeah. Trump is asking is that people will pay, the countries will pay 2%, and, if, and yeah. then he wants to double it to 4 I mean, if we're paying 69%, I mean, think about Germany. They have, they have the best GDP in the entire continent of Europe, 
and they've opened yeah. their borders to every every um, migrant, and I don't even think majority of them are refugees. They're migrants yeah. coming into the country because they know they can get jobs and they're going to have a better life. And then we are subsidizing that through NATO. Exactly. I want to welcome our special guest, um, international security expert, political strategist, um, best-selling author and entrepreneur, good friend of the show, Michael Doherty. How you doing, buddy? I'm well. I'm well. How are y'all doing? Doing good. I wanted I wanted you on the line to play this clip, but Trump totally destroyed NATO today. And, I know. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> I know. He really did. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's this kind of thing. It really is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But here we go. Here we go. I want to play it. Here we go. When Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia, where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia, and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia, and I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Uh, ultimately, Germany will have almost 70% of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, we've, I've been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. But Germany is totally controlled by Russia because they will be getting from 60 to 70% of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. And you tell me if that's appropriate, because I think it's not. And I think it's a very bad thing for NATO, and I don't think it should have happened. And I think we have to talk to Germany about it. On top of that, Germany is just paying a little bit over 1%, whereas the United States, in actual numbers, is paying 4.2% of a much larger GDP. So I think that's inappropriate also. You know, we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting everybody. And yet we're paying a lot of money to protect. Now, this has been going on for decades. This has been brought up by other presidents, but other presidents never did anything about it because I don't think they understood it or they just didn't want to get involved. But I have to bring it up because I think it's very unfair to our country. It's very unfair to our taxpayer. And I think that these countries have to step it up, not over a 10-year period. They have to step it up immediately. Germany is a rich country. They talk about they're going to increase it a tiny bit by 2030. Well, they could increase it immediately tomorrow and have no problem. I don't think it's fair to the United States. So we're going to have to do something because we're not going to put up with it. We can't put up with it, and it's inappropriate. So we have to talk about the billions and billions of dollars that's being paid to the country that we're supposed to be protecting you against. You know, everybody's, everybody's talking about it all over the world. They'll say, well, wait a minute. We're supposed to be protecting you from Russia, but why are you paying billions of dollars to Russia for energy? Why are countries in NATO, namely Germany, having a large percentage of their energy needs paid, you know, to Russia and, and taken care of by Russia? Now, if you look at it, Germany is a captive of Russia because they supply. They got rid of their coal plants. They got rid of their nuclear 
They're getting so much of the oil and gas from Russia. I think it's something that NATO has to look at. I think it's very inappropriate. You and I agree that it's inappropriate. I don't know what you can do about it now, but it certainly doesn't seem to make sense that uh, they pay billions of dollars to Russia, and now we have to defend them against Russia. There you have it. I, I don't know how the guy sits. I know how he sits down with balls that big. <laughs> can you? And that's what I'm saying. Okay, here, here's my point real quick. And Mike, real quick. Real quick. Real quick. I really want to make a point, and then anybody can talk. Here, I got a few things to say about this. First of all, Michael Doherty is 100% on point. That takes massive, brass, giant fucking balls to do something like that. I mean, look, in a meeting with foreign leaders telling them to their face, well, you're going to pay your fair share. You're going to pay more. You're going to pay us back. You're, you owe us. We, you, we've been ripped off by you for years. Calling them out and also calling Putin and Russia out and slamming Russia. So do these liberal lunatics still want to go with the narrative of, Oh, Trump colluded with Russia. Now, you know, come, come on. We all know Putin would have rather had Hillary Clinton so he could have got more special deals like the uranium. It's not a secret. Uh, you know, this is, this, is, this is just huge. And we have a president that all these world leaders know is not playing games. And you know what? You either make a deal with Trump or, you, or your country is going to suffer. Bottom line, everybody needs the United States, and Trump will win these wars. Um, Go go ahead, um, Michael. Yeah, I uh, – You agree? Yeah, I agree, but I I, – the vitriol, the freakout, it's just like how many times are they going to learn? It's like he's going to break the glass. He's going to come in and take him. It's like the Wizard of Oz. He just walks the back. And the wizard's going crazy, and he just takes the curtain and pushes down and goes. Like, like the liberal, hey, the li- Mike, Mike, the liberals want to say, "Oh, Putin is Trump's boss." Oh, really? Have you ever seen an employee talk to their boss like that and call their boss out <laughs> like that? <laughs> it, you know? It's absolutely, it's absolutely hilarious. And and so, I mean, he's exactly right. Here's the thing: all these things were set up. This is. When, when you give the government power, they never give it back. When you give people some entitlement, they never give it back. We set up, you know, Europe to be an entitled area after World War II. It is 2017. Okay, so they're like the 30-year-old kid that won't move out. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> and so what have they done? You know, they, they've now have, they basically are a dependency place. They're feeding off us. I mean, it's, you've got, Healthcare, which is expensive, you've got everything entitled there. You've got you're taking care of everyone, and these people don't know any better. It is a culture over there of codependency, and um, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. And 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 this is what is so terrible about Obama having eight years of the presidency because he just accelerated all that crap. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I think it's so obvious. I think it's so hilarious. And uh, what are you going to say to them? What, what are they going to say? And they're gonna they're gonna scream and yell and throw a fit. Or here's what people are gonna say: Uh oh, now shame, the shame. world's gonna go depend on Russia. 
That's what they what say. They're they say, say now, now their new thing is they're going they're going around to Trump administration officials and Trump supporters saying shame, shame, shame. Because <laughs> they're on, never happy seriously? no matter what. He could cure he cure cancer and they'd still say, Well, what about AIDS? What are you gonna get AIDS? Come on, man. Cure AIDS. Well, did you see now. Nancy Pelosi? no Nancy Pelosi yesterday? I think it was yesterday, she was like well, I mean, low unemployment. So, I mean, what I care about is wages. <laughs> you know, it's just, you just like, the, that's, it's not difficult, okay? If you want to be a politician on the left and many on the right, you, you don't care about the truth. You just play point-counterpoint. Anyone can flip anything over. And once you can kill your conscience and don't care about your constituents, you're off to the races. Yeah, and and look at look at the victim stances they play. I mean, that's what they're known for: race cards, victim stance. Uh, you know, constantly shifting topics. Um, you know, misleading their supporters in every way possible. Uh, I mean, look at the communism culture they're trying to create. Um, I mean, it's sickening. It's sickening, and I and I know that you know there's like with NATO. Going back to NATO, though, look at how pivotal this is. I mean, look at all the money we're going to get back. Look at all the money that, you know, we got taken away from us. Look at all the money that we were scammed on for so many years because of incompetent leaders, weak leaders, maybe filling their own pockets, you know, didn't care about the country, or, you know, just didn't, you know, there's so many different variables. I don't know. Maybe they didn't care about it. hard time it's arguing a that deal. they're getting closer to Russia when they're getting closer to Russia anyway. <laughs> it's like... Right, and and look at Russia, how they own Germany. Trump was talking about that too, and with the with with all of this gas. I mean, it, talk about that, Michael. You know all about it. Well, I mean, this is what I mean, this is where you know there's got to be a pop, populist uprising in Germany. There, ha- I mean, she she's snuggling up to the Russians. She's going to make the economy dependent on that oil. She's go, she thinks that's going to get, and then she's letting all these all, all these immigrants in without any. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what's happened to people there and the violence that's gone on and and what's how the culture you can't you can't put that genie back in the bottle. So it's it's going to take speaking, uh, Germans speaking of immigrants. Hey, you want you want to hear something? Speaking of immigrants, seven hundred thousand immigrants in Libya announced, um, are getting boarding boats to Europe. So getting more and more of those in, more and more, you know, not betting. Well, again, what happens is then if you try to get rid of them, here comes the race card, and and nothing is touchier than manip- and manipulative in Germany than bring up a race card. So it's it, it, at some point it always comes the same thing. At some point you have to put your foot down. Say I don't care what you think of me. You're never happy. You're always going to name call. You're a two year old. You got the mentality two year. I'm going forward because it doesn't work otherwise. I mean, if we don't want to learn from history, we're just going to end up some sort of socialistic or or dictatorship world. It's 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 insane. But it all starts, you know, with with lack of education, lack of experience. How many of these Germans were alive in World War II? Think about it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you you make a good point. And, you know, I want Josh. I want to get your thoughts real quick, and then Valerie, go ahead. 
Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I just, like you were saying, the balls to go into their court, so to speak. I mean, this is all of these countries against America, basically. I mean, they all like the way it is because they're, I it's mean, they're like, getting it's off Trump with a pass with them. the way it's this deal Trump versus all of them. Trump's taking on all these countries. Absolutely. I mean, it's literally like you walk in to your neighbor's house and start shouting out orders, telling them what to do, and they all just try to look at you shocked and then do what you say. I mean, time will tell to see what Europe is going to do, but from all accounts, they almost have to do what, what Trump says because, one, it makes total sense. Why on earth is America paying for 69%? It doesn't make any, it doesn't make any fiscal sense. And two, if he pulls, if you were to pull out, that would screw all of them over even more. Um, so I mean, you know, time will tell. But boy, he really has them uh, by the tail. They don't really know what to do right now. Yeah, they're in, they're in panic mode. Absolutely, one hundred percent. They are. I mean, they have to obey him. They have to obey. I mean, there's a new sheriff in town. This is no joke. Trump. There's a reason they call Trump the best business negotiator, uh, one of the best ever mm-hmm. to ever live. Um, Valerie, go ahead. I think it's Trump, the way that Trump carries himself and really who he is. He walks into any negotiation like he owns it, and he has a plan. He's going to get this, this, and this before he leaves, and he just runs it. And, he, and I think he's running the presidency as he would run one of his businesses. And I think yep. this confidence that he has is because he knows how to make the deal. That's what he's doing. And that's what I've all, you know, Valerie, you bring up a great point. Go ahead. ahead. Finish, finish. And then I'm going to, I'll say something. Okay. Okay. And the other point I wanted to make is that, you know, American liberals are not used to somebody that has that kind of confidence walking in the door. Um, They're used to being, having us be polite and kind of massage the conversation and be diplomatic and then in the end get nothing done. And, and Trump is completely the opposite. He's like, look, I got this job because I want to do the job and I want to change the way things are going and, and we're getting taken advantage of and that's ridiculous. I'm not going to allow it anymore. I'm representing my country and my people come first. And that's what he was elected to do. Exactly. And, and you make a great point, you know, and, and I've talked about this on my show many times, and I've actually been saying this for many years. Running this country is a business. It's a CEO job. What do you need first and foremost to do anything properly and, and function in, the, in, in, your, in your country? A proper economy. You need the economy going smoothly and well. And what does a CEO and businessman know how to do? I've always said that. And I, I said in 2000, I said in 2010, Donald Trump needs to run for president because he's always, you know, was hinting and playing around, teasing he was going to run. And then when he finally announced, the day he announced, it all, and I remember the date, uh, it was uh, June 16th, 2015. And he stood on, standed on that podium and, and said, I am officially running for president of the United States. And when he, wa- when he was going down that escalator with a smile on his face and thumbs up next to his beautiful wife, I just knew this, nobody is going to beat this guy. This guy is so slick, so strategic, so brilliant, so profound. Like he's something that God brought to this earth 
to, I mean, he saved this country and in some aspects the world is, is changing uh, positively because of him. I mean, you look, I mean, this is, this is something we've never seen before. I mean, I cannot believe he's a superhero. This is something out of a movie, what Trump is doing. He's doing the impossible. That's the best way to say it. But I uh, go ahead, Michael, Michael, I want to, you know, after saying that, I know I just went on a huge rant right there, and I was very excited. <laughs> it's your show, man. Pas- <laughs> I get very passionate about Trump. But in terms of NATO, Michael, I don't, I don't know about the gift from God thing. You kind of lost me there, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I just, I, you know, I, I get, I, I get overly excited, and uh, that, I do, that's, I do that's think like when I, someone wins like some sporting event, and they think God was on their side, and the other team's from hell. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I want to know your thoughts on NATO, what we need to do to fix it. Cause I, you know, I have some ideas. I know I want to know your thoughts on it. Definitely. You know, they need, and Trump wants them to pay double. He announced that today. Uh, okay, real, so, real so Trump, quick, real, Trump is Michael real quick before you speak. I want to play a quick clip of Trump and Angela Merkel today. Um, right. It's so it's only a minute clip, but it got, she is something else, I tell you. Uh, one four. The president came here to Brussels and is doing what he intended to do. He's shaking it up. He uh, just had a bilateral meeting with the German Chancellor Angela Merkel. That meeting comes after the president this morning uh, in his uh, bilateral meeting with uh, Jens Stoltenberg, who was the NATO Secretary General, really slammed Russia, as you mentioned, at the, really slammed Germany, rather, as you mentioned at the top of this, for a uh, crafting this pipeline deal with Russia. It's the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines. They'll bring oil and gas directly to Germany from Russia. The president suggesting this morning that Germany will literally be controlled uh, by Russia because it's getting 70 to 80 percent of its energy from Russia. After the bilateral meeting, the president said they did talk about the pipeline, he and Merkel, but that that meeting was cordial. Listen here. We're having a great meeting. We're discussing military expenditure, uh, we're talking about trade. Uh, we have a very, very good relationship with the Chancellor. We have a tremendous relationship with Germany. Uh, they've made tremendous, you've had tremendous success, and I congratulate you, tremendous success. And I believe that uh, our trade will increase and lots of other things will increase. And as you saw in the last few minutes, the president was asked in his bilateral meeting with Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, whether he did believe that Germany was being controlled by Russia because of the energy purchases. Uh, The president deferred to Macron for that. Macron said, no, he did not believe it. A lot of what we're hearing, I'm told, that the president is directing toward countries like like Germany, uh, we might hear it about France, too, at some point, is is really uh, linked to trade. And the president believes that if he gets some movement on trade from some of these European Union countries, then maybe he might dial back on some of the rhetoric about Russia and pipelines and about expenditures mm-hmm. to NATO. Sandra? So there you go. There you have it. I mean, there's, there's so much different things. But, you know, Michael, go ahead. I want, I want your thoughts. Uh, first now, of all, I what we need to look, do is look, fix the, NATO. Okay, the guy's got a playbook, okay? Everyone in D.C. has a playbook. D.C.'s playbook has gone, gone for years. And so it's, you know, surfing from Purdue, shiny object, lie, hide, you know, uh, assault the public. <laughs> okay, here comes this businessman that, that doesn't need anybody, and he just, he's just playing the same game of negotiating on a wider scale. It's, 
first up, except these guys are almost, I think he's probably almost having fun. They like scare so easy. It reminds me of that movie Bull Durham when the coach threw the baseball bats in the showers. <laughs> it's like, you know, you got to scare him. And he starts out scaring them with this. Uh, first of all, he embarrasses them. So he shows he's got no boundaries. Okay. Now they know, and he knows, there's a whole lot of other secrets out there they don't want to say. So he's just basically said, oh, yeah, I'll humiliate you and, and tell, tell secrets. You know, no problem. So that's there. So now he's got him freaked out. Then he's got to freak out about the money, and then and then he'll and then he'll settle somewhere in between, and 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 then he'll look like a cop monster. It's, I mean, I just laugh. I, it, you know, he had to be. He had to have five generations of being a car salesman. He's uh, he's unbelievably such an actor, <laughs> and and it's just it's hilarious. And because here's the thing. These people are scummy politicians, okay? So they've got no 100%. moral high road. They, they have no moral high road whatsoever. They completely deserve this guy. It is hilarious. My only concern is that there will be no one that's smart enough to learn from him, and they're going to wait him out, and there won't be another one coming after him. Because, you know, this is all business as usual. It, I don't, it can't go back to business as usual. And, uh, but I don't know. You know, once you uh, – once you announce that that Wizard of Oz is just some fat guy behind a curtain, hmm, might not be able to go back. We'll see. I yeah. can't imagine that we would go back or the world would even allow it because he's shaken up so much that I think – and people are realizing that he's doing what he says he's going to do. It's a good thing that he's shaking it up. So go, to go back to complacency and diplomacy and get nothing done, it doesn't help anybody. Yeah, one hundred percent. And Josh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, the I, I like I said before, you know, he's he's done a great job so far. I I do think it's interesting um, that you know he he did meet with Germany right after that, and uh, you know apparently the meeting went well. Um, you know, I'm uh, like I said, you know, time will tell. Hope, hopefully, we get you know the. Um, we get the response from this um, that we need to have to uh, help our economy. You know, we cannot continue to uh, allow other countries to bully us, um, you know, and, and allow them to bully us, almost, almost make us we're bullying ourselves. We can't allow it anymore. And I'm, I'm glad that we finally have a president who has the balls to step up and, uh, you know, do something about these bad trade deals instead of just being, uh, you know, the idea of, Oh, well, you know, it is what it is, and uh, somebody else will take care of it. You know, it's he's, he's stopping it. Yeah, well, 100%. And, and, you know, it brings it all back to, you know, this is generation like this is generations of piling up of, you know, NATO debt and, and, and you know, how much we've oh. lost and how much yeah. we've – or. Or I would, if if I really want to have Christmas in July, he would start exposing all the giveaways the Clintons did to fund the Clinton Foundation by letting all these schemes continue. I mean, these. I mean, I'm sure the Clinton Foundation basically sent the following message: the way you're screwing the United States and the American people. If you write me a big fat check to my foundation, I'll look the other way. That that's all that is. All they do is take right. the money to, to look the other way, and and uh, and this is where we don't. I mean, if we could get that stuff absolutely verified, it just it's such a massive implosion because 
really, he, he, he's sitting here. I haven't even talked about how he bashed the heck out of pharma yesterday. I mean, he just is shaming these people, and, and he really should start the media. <laughs> the media does nothing about this, and they continue just to sort of get demoralized. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for something. We have to have some big paradigm shift in the media. There's got to be a failure somewhere. Like, it'd be and great if, if you, CNN just folded. And if you look at, you know, the, the numbers, it's not, it's not, it's really easy to figure out. You know, we've, they, they haven't even paid a fraction of what we've been paying. I mean, it's, the numbers are absolutely ridiculous. And it's absurd. I mean, we, you know, we're like the piggy bank. But, you know, it's something that is so, um, so wrong on so many levels. I mean, it's it's taxpayers' money wasted. It's government money wasted. Could have been utilized and put towards, you know, better things. And uh, fuck, I mean, it, and it, this all this stuff. But Mike, you know, real quick, you did have a big piece about the pharmaceutical, about Trump ripping into them and holding them accountable. And Pfizer is even saying that after Trump attacked them, they're uh, lowering their drug prices. Right, uh, and this is a double-edged sword because it's really, I, I mean, working in medicine for all these years, it, it's not Pfizer's fault. You know, it, it, we're in this big circle of this game, and there's no one that really started now. Uh, it's lobbyists, it's congressmen, it's the way, it's politics, it's the structure, uh, it's Obama buying off the insurance carriers, it's Bush starting the Medicare Part D program. I mean. This isn't left or right. It's a bunch of politicians using health care as, as, as a card. And, and the way they bought off industry is they let them keep making money, money, money. And so, you know, but the fact – well, then you have a businessman come in, and he's like, what the hell is going on? You know, you guys right. are milking us over here, and yet you're giving it away over there. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a game that's been set up a long time. And quite frankly – it's kind of like a tumor. You can't rip it out. If you rip it out, you'll do a lot of damage. You kind of have to starve it out or cut it out slowly. And so this pharma game, uh, you know, I mean, he, he nailed them. He stopped it, but only for the short term. There's got to be some big shift that he has to address, and that is going to have to be, you know, eliminating uh, insurance carriers from owning one territory, allowing insurance carrier competition, and allowing individual people to join groups other than their employer to create market forces. That all those things have still been in play. They've always been what makes uh, medicine a problem. It is exactly what Obama didn't touch. Which is why, because you know, ninety-nine percent of people in, in the country don't understand medicine because they they're not medically trained and they only learn medicine when they're in the hospital or sick, and, and that ain't no university. So, you know, we see now. Look what happened. Oh, <laughs> you know, they can control everything but results, and 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 we've got you know, I mean, basically the whole country now has catastrophic care, with you know, with outrageous deductibles and uh, and, and smaller networks and less choice. And and it's it's just it's it's and and you've got the press sitting on the lid of it because they won't report stories like this, you know. So people right. look at their invoices and their deductibles and their bills and they're and they're like, and I want to go to them. No, you're not crazy. Now you understand the media how they silence everything. 
So, uh, you know, don't trust them when they start bashing Trump every single day. It's really, it's pretty, it's amazing stuff. So, you know, it's great that he did it. It's not going to last, but it was brilliant political play. Uh, And if he's really serious in the long run, he's going to have to, he's going to have to go after the insurance carrier. Oh, yeah, let's face it. Some of the two, two of the biggest people, uh, the two biggest organizations that have been ripping people off for uh, centuries are the insurance departments and the pharmaceuticals. Right, but and and it's it's business that they allow to continue because they've got they spend so much on lobbying. The insurance, I'm sorry, I'm, I think the insurance is so much worse than than pharma. I mean, I you know from the science side of pharma, you have to deal with so much bureaucracy, so many regulators, so much ridiculous, slow walking, crazy stuff from the FDA. I mean crazy and and then and then it's such a huge risk and now it's become thankless because everyone expects everything for free and entitlement if, if they would title it if they well, well no it's not no 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 it's not no it's listen when you pay for insurance that's what you're doing you deserve a decent product period but they've they they have just wait 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 Michael, Michael, let me ask you a quick question. Sorry to interrupt, but let me ask you: Are you do were you in favor of Obamacare? Hell no. That's not okay. insurance with competition. I can't. I went absolutely crazy about. I, okay, sorry. I got sorry, Michael. Michael, I got mixed up with what you're saying when I said socialism, and I, I I'm sorry. I no, got I said up. insurance. I Everyone, when you buy a product. You should be able to use it, and insurance is a product you're buying. But the problem is the yeah, government has eliminated the government's eliminated choice and competition. The government's eliminated choice and competition, and that's why prices are high. So insurance is way worse than pharma, way worse. And you know, and for every you know, I can't tell you how much how tough it is in pharma with all the research and development and failure and millions. And you've got press and, and lawyers and government all sitting at your gate, like drooling dogs. And, and so, you know, and then you're supposed to give everything away free to poor countries and then he's beating them up for that. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm not, so while I'm not, uh, believe me, I I would beat the insurance carriers up a million times more than I'd beat a pharma. 100%, 100%, and, you know, it, it's one of those things, you've worked in the medical field, you've worked, you know, with these sort of groups and organizations, you know all about their schemes, you know all about their, uh, you know, the, the, the raising the prices, you know all about their, uh, you know, just that you, you've been in that industry, you've been in that realm, um, and there's so much corruption. And then with the insurance companies, you're absolutely right. These insurance companies are sickening, and they're the most cheap, cheapest people. I, I mean, they don't they don't want to pay you. They don't want to pay out. It's a it's a hassle if you get in an accident or anything to get money out of. I mean, it's a long process. It happens. You get you do get your money, but it's such a long process, and they just try to lowball you as much as possible. I mean, the 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 amount of money that they I mean, just the premium. There's so much different things, man. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, what they may 
doctors hate being doctors. And but it's it's the perfect scam because I only know this because I've worked in medicine for thirty years. I wouldn't know this if I didn't work in medicine. How would you know? You don't. So they can sell this plausible crap. And the trust in physicians has gone away in the trust medical process. I mean, they have they have gaslit the public since Hillary and, and Bill Clinton to actually believe there's something wrong with that there was something wrong with our medical system, and there was barely anything wrong with it. It wasn't perfect, believe me, but there was barely anything wrong with it. And if they would have just if they would have just restricted, if they would just have unleashed insurance competition, this would all have gone away. But you know, nothing like a are you referring to Hillary Clinton's health health care plan that she came out with in like '93 or whatever? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's that, I mean, they never gave up on that because because it because there's a bunch of stupid people out big, there. So stupid. That was so ridiculous. There's a bunch of leftists. I mean, this is the whole, this is the perfect leftist triangle of victim, you know, savior, and 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 and, um, and bad guy, and so. You know, it, it sells. Now, they can't figure out how to do that with technology, so this is why Congress doesn't, doesn't get technology. But once these politicians get involved in medicine, it's, it's the perfect scam. It's a perfect political scam because you've got, a, you've got a whole group of people that don't learn about the medical system until they're really, really sick, and that's usually when they're dead soon. So as soon as the consumer gets educated, he's gone. So everyone believes this crap, and it's nuts. You know, and so, and all they do is they they highlight you know people that get that don't have coverage, and then they they magnify it like no one has coverage, and they they play with the numbers, and then you got you know Jonathan Gruber that talking about how stupid Americans are. He's right, you know. So you get it's 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 just I mean I could just go on and on and on, and but it really it boils down to the insurance carriers have got these monopolies in every state. It's nuts. You know, got to pull the plug on that, but that won't happen. Because I mean, and and Obama sold his soul to the to the insurance carriers to get Obamacare through. And I mean, that's the only way he could do it, or it would have been nothing. And so we got a big fat mess. You're absolutely right. I do want to pause you real quick. I want to welcome our other special guest, economics expert, public policy analysis writer for Town Hall, Newsmax, Live Bet and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey, Michael Bus- Do- Dr. Michael Bustler. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Roy. It's great to be here. Um, great to have you on. We have a lot of topics we're discussing. I'm sure you've been listening yep. for like the last five minutes. Yep. Um, and you're, a, you're an economist. Uh, you know all this stuff very well. Um, I, Michael, yeah. I want you to finish what you were saying. Uh, there's two Michaels on the line that are our special guests, so I'm just going to go with last names. I'm going to say Doherty and I'm going to say Bustler. So, so, Good so Doherty, finish, finish what you were saying. No, I mean, I, well, I mean, it's the perfect segue for the economists to join because <laughs> I mean, it is. We created these oligopolies and monopolies with insurance carriers, and that, yeah. and then then you have politicians, you know, building this narrative that the medical system's broken. It wasn't. And I really incite, when I talk about this to people, I know how to piss off an audience, and I do intentionally, because I'm like going, you have an opinion. But your opinion is worthless. It was not an educated opinion. 
Just because you become a patient doesn't mean you're an expert in medicine. Just because you fly on Delta doesn't mean you can fly the plane. If you got up into the cockpit and you flew the plane, we'd all be dead. And that's what's going on with everyone's medical opinion. And, you know, everyone's being fooled by these politicians, and I have the same line. So when I'm sick, I don't call my congressman. Why are you? <laughs> you know, and, and, I, I go, and why is it when we talk about medicine, we actually go, oh, I believe that pundit. You know, if we're talking nuclear physics, you don't believe the pundit. But it's, it's, we really, really create this danger, and it's, it's bad. And, but it, it, the stage was set, and, and uh, this is what I love about Trump. But he's got to, you know, he <laughs> motivates people, and they think they have a voice because people are onto this now enough, you know, but um, we didn't articulate right. I mean, I'm telling you, it's just uh, the Clintons and the Obamas, the way they exploit the public. It's, just, it's the same game right now what they're doing with the children and immigration. It's the same game. It's just they are shameless. They'll exploit anything. It's all but fear, it's, uncertainty, and doubt. And they're always on to a new thing. You know, every week they're on something new. Now they're on Roe versus Wade. Like, you know, it was – it's all, anything Trump does or anything that comes out in the media, they start protesting and going crazy about. And then after a week, yeah, they don't even talk hey, about listen, it. We're all taught about, you know, Huff and Puff and Blair's. <laughs> you know, crying wolf only works so much. And, um, and you know, they're moving so fast. Uh, Trump is the beginning of, like, that gun not working anymore. <laughs> so, but that's all they got. I mean, if you okay? think- if you think about the Democratic Party, it has gone so far left that people, the people, so many people have left and have departed, and you know, uh, you wanted to have have got out because of the radicalization and the socialism and what the communism uh, curriculum they want to create. That's not what the old Democratic Party was. And I made a point the other day on social media. We haven't seen a great or worthy Democrat since JFK. And if JFK was alive today, he would be appalled at the Democratic Party. He, he would be in agreement with Trump. He was a conservative Democrat. And I'm just looking around. And, and same with people like Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King would be appalled at Black Lives Matter. He'd be appalled at the Democrats. He, Martin Luther King was a conservative. He was for everybody. But here, here's the thing. It just bothers me, all the shit. That, I mean, you just you, you just have it's just a, it's a merry-go-round. Um, Bustler, go ahead though. I definitely want. Yeah, to let me. To um, I, yeah, I tell you, I've been I've been listening to a lot of this, and um, let me uh, let me start from the beginning a little bit. Um, Michael made some great points uh, about the healthcare system. You know, prior to um, Obamacare, studies showed that ninety percent of uh, people were generally happy with their insurance. They didn't like the fact that it kept going up in price so much, but in terms of the insurance that they were receiving, they, they were happy. Um, before Obamacare, uh, about 85% of the people uh, were covered under health insurance and about 15% weren't. Um, today, about 91% are covered with health insurance. So the whole Obamacare uh legislation helped about 6% of the people, uh, roughly 20, 20 million people. Meanwhile, the rest of us got clobbered. For just the reasons that uh, Michael was mentioning, exactly. um, 
costing us a lot more money. We're not going to and the doctors. We want to go to Obamacare, the quality of the service. Yeah. Yeah, and Obamacare premiums were skyrocketing in and it's in Arizona they went up as high as 200% Obamacare and other places right. they were going up over 100% in premiums. And do you remember when uh, President Obama said you pass this on on average premiums should doctor, go down by about 2500 a year? Remember? Yeah. He said you can keep your doctor, yep. you can keep your plan and he lied. Right. And the premiums would go down too. Many people lost their plans because they didn't yep. cover everything Obama thought they should cover. Many people lost long-term relationships with doctors, which I think is very critical. And the uh, premiums kept going up, in fact, as much as they were going up before. Um, the whole thing needs to be fixed. President Trump tried to fix it. He came within one vote of the Senate, uh, finally getting something through, but he didn't. So as a result, he's had to chip away at it a little bit, got rid of the individual mandate. Individual uh, mandate, I was just going to say that. It's a big success that he got rid of that. That was something that yeah. was, you know, something to cross off the list. Yeah, so he is chipping away about it. So um, everything Michael was saying, I think I'm, um, I'm right on board with. There were two other things um, I heard Michael mention and you were discussing, too. Um, how many people seem to be uh, against Trump, and no matter what he does – uh, even before he does it, uh, people are against him. You know, I think it, it will, um, history will look back at this and say, here's a person that became president and did some monumental things, and he had virtually everybody against him. Every single Democrat wants to vote against him. 90% of media coverage, or 90% plus, media coverage about Trump is negative. Uh, and even people in, in his own party, um, there's a chunk of never Trumpers in the Republican Party. Bob Corker, Senator Corker today uh, had the Senate pass some resolution condemning what Trump's doing in foreign policy. So he's got a bunch of people um, against him. And with all that, he's still able, in my view, to uh, do some really substantial things and some positive things that will um, be very fruitful for the country well into the future. The third thing that Michael mentioned, and you were just talking about, was um, the Democratic Party. Um, in order for our um, democracy, it's a constitutional republic technically, but our democracy to, to flourish, we, we really need healthy debate. So although I don't agree with um, 90% of what the Democratic Party uh, stands for, uh, and, and I'm not quite sure what some of that is sometimes, but um, it, it's important that we have another voice uh, so we end up with this healthy. Democrats are getting shellacked, and I, I think it's going to continue. Uh, Obama won the election in, in 28, um, but in 2010 – Congress, the uh, House of Representatives switched to uh, Republican. Now, 2012, Obama was personally very popular, so he won. In 2014, the Democrats lost the Senate. In 2016, the Democrats lost the presidency. And right now, about two-thirds of the states have a Republican governor and or a Republican legislature. I also think this November – 
the Democrats, I think, are going to get shellacked. I wouldn't be surprised if Republicans end up with 57, 58, maybe as many as 60 senators. And I think they'll be able to increase the number they have in the House of Representatives. And I know the popular view is not that, but that's what I think is, is going to happen, mostly because the Democrats don't have anything positive to run on. And by yeah. November... Um, the the uh, GDP, the uh, number for the second quarter, what we're in now, comes out in about three weeks. It looks like it's going to show a 4% growth. That's probably yeah. going to continue into the, the third quarter. So a week yeah. before the elections, it will come out. We just had two successive quarters of 4% growth, mostly spurred by the tax cut, and not one Democrat voted for the tax cut. Um they're going to criticize Trump about what he did with, uh, you know, uh, a year ago. They said, oh, Trump's going to start a nuclear war with North Korea. Well, North Korea is at the table. I think by November, you'll see some positive uh, signs with that. Um, and you'll see uh, North Korea begin to denuclearize. So with all that, I don't think the Democrats have a chance to run on anything. And I'm nervous. Well, I don't agree with the Democrats. I'm nervous about the future of their party. And here's the thing, you know, they they are a tarnished party. I mean, they're part. They have no message. All they have is anti-Trump rhetoric. I mean, they, they have exactly. no. There's nothing. I mean, there. You cannot face a guy like Trump who is doing everything right, perfect economy. Uh, you have everything at uh, record lows. How are you going to go against that? What's going to be your uh, talking point? I mean, come on. There's nothing. I mean, there, there, there's zilch, nada. And, you know, right. I, and, I, I, absolutely, yeah. I absolutely agree with what you said. Um, I do, though, want to get your thoughts on – I want your thoughts on NATO. We were talking about that a lot earlier. Yeah. And then I'm going to get to, yeah. then I'm going to, get to Roe, Roe versus Wade, which I want Doherty on the line for. Okay. I want Doherty to talk about this and you, Bustler. Um, but real quick, okay. Bustler, what's your thoughts on NATO? I mean, what, what do you want to see? I mean, what's your thoughts on what needs to be fixed? I mean, we, I have a few ideas, and I, and I know you're an yeah. economist. You specialize in this sort of thing. Give me your take. So the – yeah, so there are 26 nations uh, as part of NATO, uh, all uh, aligned with the idea of uh, a common defense. You attack one of them, you're going to attack all, all, all of them. Uh, their budget is roughly a trillion dollars per year. The U.S. pays $700 billion of that. About 70% of their budget is paid by the U.S. Well, that's just the way it's been done all these years. President Trump says, why, why are we covering everybody's expenses? They can afford We're to pay the world the, for themselves. Exactly. Exactly. So I think Trump is right. Um, I, I keep emphasizing that um, President thing. Trump is not a politician, business person. A business person doesn't dance around things and say things that are politically correct. A business person gets right to the heart of the matter, solves the problem, and moves on to the next thing. So President Trump is just going to tell it like it is. I know the um, uh, elite, <laughs> mostly on the left, are saying what a horrible thing it is. How is he treating our, our uh, closest allies? Well, you know, sometimes you have to point out to your closest allies things aren't fair. 
The trade agreements we have with you aren't fair. Uh, the fact that we're paying for defending of your country uh, isn't fair. You know, the U.S. has 25,000 troops in um, Korea defending the border there. We pay for that. Yeah. We have an Air Force yeah. base in um, Germany with thousands of troops there, not to defend us. It's to, to help defend Europe. We pay for that. Well, we just can't can't keep doing that anymore, especially when these people are uh, in a position where they can pay for their own defense. Exactly. And you, you, you know what's <laughs> sickening and sad? You have Democrats attacking Trump, saying he's uh, dividing, the, dividing everyone doing this. And it's like Democrats want to be taken advantage of. I mean, they're the biggest idiots, <laughs> delusional kind of people. They're like from, from a different universe. Like, they're not even from a – I don't – I don't even know. These people are so anti-American. Well, it, it, it starts with no education. I mean, look, I say this almost every time. And here's we the thing, though, a... real quick, Doherty. You bring up education. These college campuses are a big fucking problem. Excuse my French. But, but <laughs> did you know there's a study that came out? 80% of them are uh, of college uh, universities are liberal professors. Only 20% are Republican. Well, of course, it's 10 years, they don't have to live in the real world. Okay, so big shock. We know that. I'm surprised. From my experience, experience, I think the 80% figure is probably a little bit low. Uh, I I think it's above 80%. I teach at a university that started out as a liberal arts college, and I think of the 300 and some faculty members, I can find maybe four Republicans. Um, and, uh, you know, it's to the point, uh, too, not so much at my university, but at others where they're repressing the uh, opposing view. Um, and that's yeah. not what college campuses are supposed to be about. They're supposed to yeah. stimulate the opposing view and uh, yeah. get into healthy debate about it. But um, and, and the way some of these uh, schools are, it's just awful. We've seen, you know, all these issues with free speech. Do you experience that at the uh, at, uh the Stockton University in New Jersey? Yeah. Um, not too much here, um, but there's not a big conservative voice here. There, there's nobody comes to campus. What about Princeton, though? Pr- Princeton's in New Jersey, isn't it? Oh, come on. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Princeton's well, very don't they, have, don't they uh, have those massive uh, protests? Uh, they do. They do. They have a they the have Woodrow Wilson there, School really? there is very liberal. Yeah, oh, right. um, and, and 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 the Woodrow Wilson school should be taken. I mean, yeah. here's the irony: they should do a little history course on Woodrow Wilson, and then they, that's the one statue they <laughs> should take down that they won't take down. But Doherty, I, 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 I want to make one I, point. I, I got to talk okay, to you about a lot I of topics. So, yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, just say educate. When I talk about education, I'm talking about way before they get to college. I interrupted okay? you when I said something. You said education, and I wanted to make a point. Right, and, right, and then you, you just went yeah. off on that that shiny object thing. So, but no, it's it's that look. Everyone, I mean, you know, Churchill talks about you know if you if you're if you're not a liberal when you're young, you have a heart, you know, and if you're next to everyone, you're older, you have a head or something to that effect. I mean, look, until you have life experience, understand these things. Experience is education. That's one form of education, and then you're not so malleable and gullible. So, you know, it's normal that they're going to have some liberal bent. What we have now, though, is we have no sense of balance, and the education starts in civics. In junior high or high school, we haven't had an, we haven't had a full civics book since the 1920s, and we haven't had civics being really taught in two generations now. 
That is why we have such a bunch of suckers all over the place. I mean, these kids are not stupid, and you know they're hungry for it because they are so they're so passionate about what they think they're fighting for. If they'd understand that they were actually supporting the Gestapo and being sucker punched (laughs) with propaganda, they'd have a fit. But that's my only point. And I don't, I, you know, colleges, it's like, look, they're already 18. Next. But uh, anyway, all right, do, moving on to next I do want to I do want to move on. I, I do have something very important. So, obviously, uh, Doherty, uh, you haven't been on the show since uh, Kavanaugh was, uh, uh, you know, uh, nominated and uh, picked by Trump. Um, you know, he, I, in my opinion, he's a great pick. Here's a quick 30-second clip on his thoughts of the Constitution, which I think is a brilliant speech. Um, One, two. My judicial philosophy is straightforward. A judge must be independent and must interpret the law, not make the law. A judge must interpret statutes as written. And a judge must interpret the Constitution as written, informed by history and tradition and precedent. I revere the Constitution. I believe that an independent judiciary is the crown jewel of our constitutional republic. I mean, he, he is, this guy is, is, I mean, this guy's sharp. He's slick. He's brilliant. Yeah. He's clean. He's got one of the best backgrounds. He went to Harvard, finished in the top of his class. There's nothing bad. These, I mean, every Republican's uh, giving him praise. Even some people on the left are giving him praise. He's a Yale boy, by the way. He didn't go to Harvard, uh, but yeah. he's at Harvard. He did. He he's went to Harvard. Yale. Yale. Under, he's under. He, no, no, no. He's undergrad Yale and and like Yale uh-huh. law, but he teaches at Harvard. Right. Oh, so he taught. He taught at Harvard. Yeah. Okay, he's, right. Harvard and Georgetown or Yale. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, one know, of the things is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just, just going to say um, one. One of the I think the key point that he made there, and this is what gets the the other side so upset. Um, he said the uh, Supreme Court should interpret the law, not make the law. And with the other side, um, if things aren't going their way, they the judges that support their view tend to legislate from the bench. And Kavanaugh won't do that. Kavanaugh, he is conservative, and that bothers him too, but he is conservative, and he won't legislate He'll interpret the law, which is what the judicial branch is supposed to do. The legislative branch, Congress, is supposed to legislate. They make the the laws. Um, And as I say, the other side, when they can't get the laws passed that they want, they look to the uh, activist judges on the Supreme Court to change things in their favor. Now, now I want to ask, you know, first of all, Josh, I want to get your thoughts and Valerie and then Doherty and and, and Bustler, I do. We have, do have a few more segments that are very important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, j- just to hit real quick, you know, I think it's very, uh, you know, I think it's very interesting that that uh, there, there's a study that came out here recently that um, uh, judges appointed by Democrat uh, presidents uh, are, have uh, set an alarming number of decisions uh, towards, you know, Democrat decisions. Eighty percent of the time, they vote. Uh, Democrat. The same. The same with um, you know Republican um, presidents who uh, you know um, uh, who put yeah. in a Supreme Court justice. They vote 
that way. And the reason that this is happening, it doesn't. The problem is the law isn't being interpreted as much anymore, and more has more to do with what party you supposedly support. And the reason this is happening is because the Democrats. I can't remember when it was. I can't remember which justice it was, but basically their attack. Um, you know, because they don't want the Constitution to be interpreted. They want their own politics to be interpreted the way they're supposed to. So they're, they're trying to politicize the court system, which is why we have this situation we have now where instead of us talking about, you know, how good of a judge they've been, how many, you know, are they interpreting the Constitution, we're getting into these discussions of are they conservative, are they Democrats. You know, it's it's honestly all of it's the wrong conversation to be having, but it's the it's the world we're living in now. And, and Josh, you bring up a great point. You bring up a great point because I do see an issue with what you're saying because no judge, in my strong opinion, and I'm sure everybody agrees with me, should ever be par- should ever be partisan or you know belong to one single party and make a decision based off. I, I that's just not fair. I mean, does everybody agree with me? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, justice is supposed to be blind. You know, you're, not, you're supposed to be I, blind to any prejudices about a party and any preconceived notion. So I agree completely. Exactly. The, exactly. The bias, has been a pro, the bias has been a problem, but in the Supreme Court, we've seen it in the past. But go ahead, Valerie. I agree with what you're saying. I just don't think it's reality. I think it's almost yeah. like, we live in a different Republicans and Democrats live in a different reality. And those that come into the True. Supreme court have a different mission than those that, you know, the Republicans versus Democrats, we each have a different mission and a different way of looking at the world in, in, entirely. So I believe that the Democrats really do look at the constitution and figure out how, actually, I don't even think they look at the constitution earlier. You were talking about education and the fact that our, Kids are growing up now and don't know the Constitution and don't even understand what, you know, what we stand for. And the truth is, I believe that, you know, a lot of the schools are, are changing our history to make it more, you know, multicultural and more PC and all these things. They're not even getting the real history. And, you know, because the schools in general are liberal and, and they're not teaching the kind of Constitution that you and I I believe in, or the kind that that the um, our founding fathers wrote about. It's it's more like you know the way that the spin of the of the liberals are putting on it is a completely different, in my opinion, is a different world almost. Um, and I think that's that's one of the clashing problems with our society now, is you know we're going in different directions and we have different values. Very well said. Absolutely, Doherty or Bustler, feel free to feel free to respond. Well, this goes down the fact that <laughs> I go to the root, which is we don't educate anyone about the separation of powers. We don't understand the, the judicial system. If the judicial system is an activistic system, then they shouldn't have lifetime appointments. The reason they're given lifetime appointments is they're not supposed to be activistic. And, 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 but I'm telling you, the, the lower you get in the judicial system, the more outrageous it gets. 
It is a huge problem, and the public doesn't recognize the problem because the public isn't educated. So it's another backdoor to dominating the population by 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 creating this this culture of judges right. that think they're above the law, of lawyers that have to kowtow to them or they won't have a, a job. And it, it's a really sick culture, and it's what happens to human beings regardless of what they're in. So, you know, this is why there's a threat, but things had to get really bad. And and this isn't, I mean, I, I being in the Federal Society, I'm lucky enough to have taken courses from Scalia, and I've actually spoken to Kavanaugh, and I will tell you, you Scalia is so, huh? You worked in D.C. You've done legislation. No, well, no, no, no. well, Scalia, I got to know. No, well, that's fine, but Scalia's class was in Park City, Utah. But anyway, <laughs> so, but the point, and I got to spend a couple of days. No, I'm just doing, doing, but anyway, I'm the bottom doing. line is this. I'm going to go off on that. The bottom just, line is this. Is he, yeah. has a, he had a very raucous sense of humor, and, but he is also very brutally honest, and he would say, look, here's what people don't understand. If you want abortion to be legal or not legal, you're in the wrong branch of government please, if you please, expect the let's judges get into to that. do something. Let's get into that. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I want to talk about Roe versus Wade. I am. Okay. I want. I'm glad we're. I'm glad you brought that up because that was the next thing I was getting to, and that's a really big thing that the liberals are whining about right now. Well, here's, here's my what liberals here, are. Good. Go ahead. No, I, well, liberals think that because they don't because, and a lot of the population thinks it's not just liberals we we have a we have a, a very we have a, we have an uneducated populace which is why we have all this craziness and and it it, it it's outraged but anyway and this is where Lincoln talked about how you know it's going to fail from within uh judges that are voting uh, against abortion on the supreme court are are not doing it they're not making a stand on the topic they're making a stand on the method and, and this is the problem. And when you have an ignorant populace, they think that if you're voting against Roe v. Wade, you're against Roe v. Wade. And what the judges are saying is, no, wrong forum. If you want abortion to be legal, you go to the Congress because it's not in the Constitution. Exactly. It's, it's not, not in the Constitution. And we can't, make up, we can't make up what's in you Exactly. I want to interrupt for one second. It's not constitutional, and it's costing taxpayers a fortune, and it should go back well, to the state. Okay. It should not even be – this should not even well, be Well, but that's an opinion that, about the topic, and I don't want to get an opinion about the topic yet because I'm talking about the fact – if you just get an opinion of the topic, then it sounds like you're only, only for those judges that are, that are not for Roe v. Wade because of, the, because of their opinion. That's not – that's exactly what this is, shouldn't be about. I mean, judges are supposed to part- are interpreted within the Constitution. It's not in the Constitution. It's supposed to be Congress. Okay, so when you have activist judges that, that, that actually read things in the Constitution that aren't there, that's when you're going to have anarchy because they're going to add whatever they want, be it gay marriage or abortion, which are hot topics to debate. But it can be anything. Those are just the ones that people go crazy about right now. But it can be anything, and that's what you know when you have a population that's uneducated. They they're uneducated, and and Scalia was really. I mean, he they're the guy that gets so vilified. You know, talk about someone that had terrible things said about him for years. I mean, he's he's taken it like crazy for decades, and yeah. it's and all he said was, "I have no problem. Just go make a law. Use the process. This is the process. That's it. That's my point. I'm done talking." 
And Michael, you make a great point, and and here's here's the thing, is that the Roe versus Wade is probably one of the worst, most ridiculous things it that was ever. I mean, if a woman that was ever put into place, if a woman wants an abortion, she should pay for it herself. I've always said that. Like, why are we paying for all of these? And and they even did a survey. Majority of women that get abortions are reckless and sloppy in their personal life with sex. It, it's that's that's where majority of it comes from, and they feel entitled. They walk into a clinic, they get an abortion. It's very sickening if you think about it. You know, I, I was gonna, and I'm pro life. I'm very pro life, okay. and you know the fact that uh, Roe versus Wade allows certain things that are very uh, horrific, uh, you know, with the abortion laws and certain things where they can get it in so many weeks and, and all these videos we saw and, oh, God, it was just it was disturbing. But go ahead, Buckler. Um, I was just going to say you made a, a good point that um, if there should be some laws about whether – uh, abortions are legal and are not legal and under what circumstances and not and who should pay for or not. Uh, Michael's point was exactly right. It's not the law is not supposed to come from the Supreme Court. The law is supposed to yeah. come from the legislature who makes the law. Now, they may decide to have different laws in different states, but at least yeah. Congress has to do something about it. So he's right. If somebody votes against Roe versus Wade, it really doesn't have to do with if they're for or against the abortions, it just has to do with saying that law it should be dealt with as, at the uh, legislative level rather than at the court. Personally, I, I, I don't think they're going to overturn Roe, Roe versus Wade, even though they may have a majority. I don't think John Roberts, uh, the chief justice, would probably um, vote, vote for it. Um, but they may end up um, doing something do think, about Gordon? it, maybe to make them more. Doherty, what do you think? Do you think they'll? Do you think they'll? Do you think Roe versus Wade has a good chance of getting uh, taken away because of uh, Kavanaugh? No. I think. I think. The, um, excuse me. I was coming out. I have a mouthful. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Okay, no we're better now. Okay. Um, I I I think I think they'll ship more than destroy. Um, I think like that make, if there, certain tweaks, fix certain things. Oh, they can hand it back to the states. They can do some restrictions. They can they can listen. Judges are masters of dancing around things they don't want to deal with just by saying, "Well, we're not dealing with that." They'll just now take the case. Now that's what I and think. that's the way I, a lot I of them will take it. Away. They just won't take the case. It's but what I want to say real quick, right, but what I want to say is if you want the culture to change, and no one's even near doing this yet, but if, you, if the right wants to start really winning this, they have, to, they have to figure out a way to take, to assist these, the, the unborn or the women, all, all the fears of what happened to abortions in the 50s, all those horrors. We have to we have to really try to build some better way to help adoptions, mothers that want it, that, that want to give kids. We have to we have to build a better um, 
system, and it's tough because it's so hard because the government getting involved in families is a, is a cluster, and yeah. it's, it's terrible. But it's real. We got to figure something out. Um, whether we support with tax breaks or we, you know, but there's there's just got to be um, more concern. I mean, I, I got time. I'm 57 now. I know a couple women that were pregnant in high school, and I know both of them were on the table for an abortion and got off the table, and they just shudder today. But I also know women that didn't get off the table. And they don't discuss it, but you know it's a problem. And, you know, there's something about those young girls that has to be – they have to feel safer somehow. It's a tough, tough, tough problem. Now, do you think – real quick, and I want Valerie to speak her point, but I just have a quick question, and this is a good talking point. Do you think overturning Roe versus Wade or doing anything to it could affect the moderate voters? or some of the other voters that are somewhat pro-choice that voted for Trump? Yes, I do. Uh, yeah. I absolutely yes. do. Yeah. Yes. You're damn right I do. Yeah. But it's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm no, right. It's not going to happen. If it did, if they're really they're talking about it all over the headlines right now. I know it's not going to happen. Well, that's because, but it's just a, because, because that's gaslighting from the left. It's a talking point. It's a I mean, it's, point, are you kidding me? How, how do you think Obama, when Obama was going to beat beat McCain, I mean, it was was it Romney? That the the last four weeks, they come out with everything. They, but we've just seen There's, the game plan before. I mean, they went after they got those women out because they were convinced that they were going to lose their birth control pills, their right to abortion, right. all sorts of support. And and that, and that Romney could care less if you have cancer if you work for him. I mean, there was absolutely no shame, none whatsoever. And they're, and they're, it worked. They're brainwashing. They're brainwashing them. They're not brainwashing. They're scaring the crap. There's no brain to wash. They're scaring. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> anyway. Keep going though. Oh, I was pretty much it. I just threw more cereal in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, now let me. I really want to get something. I really want to get this topic out, uh, Doherty and Bustler. This is a big thing yeah. right now. Uh, Lisa yeah. Page uh, in contempt. Uh, uh, the, Repub- the Republicans actually may hold her in contempt, but she did not show up for the subpoena. Doherty, can you speak on that a little bit? Oh, you've been. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Look, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you want to break the law, go do it in front of Congress because no one enforces anything, right. and everybody knows. It. Exactly. And and yep. and the only the only thing is the public is now seeing it, right? So she's calling her bluff. I learned this when I worked with Oversight, and I testified, and I saw this investigation. I was like, holy cow, there's no respect for the law. There's no respect for the law because in Congress there is no law. They make the law. So it's anarchy. Okay? And, then, and, <laughs> and you will not have Democrats allow people to be held accountable, and you won't have a lot of established Republicans be held accountable. Because if you start with accountability in Congress, everyone worries about their own tail and what will happen if the power swings in six years. So no one wants to pull the trigger. So the second they got lawyered up with this this lawyer they got, and 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 the BS started. You know, this is why exactly Trey Gowdy is out of there. It's crazy making. But the difference is the public is seeing no accountability. 
and 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 woe to the FBI and the DHJ and a lot of politicians if nothing happens to these two. But yeah. you know, if yeah. I was her lawyer, I'd do the same thing because right. look, really? I mean, go ahead. That's it. You know, no fixing. Go ahead. No. I think I think because of Trump. He's out there doing whatever he thinks is right. I think he's changing the culture. And I think this might be the time where it changes and they're going to have to be accountable because people are going to get angry. You know, if, now, that, now that it's all over the news, people are going to say, look, you know, this is unfair. There's so many people that are in jail that have barely done anything compared to these people. And it's not fair. And I think maybe there's a chance this time that, well, this is why 2018 is going to be a, a bloodbath for the left, but she's still not going to testify, and she's still not going to go to jail. <laughs> because well, then she should be, yeah, but she should have some kind of, um, some kind of, something should happen to her for breaking the well, law. Well, the Republicans, the yeah, Republicans they, are they, talking they, about holding laws in place. Can't. No one enforces them. That's our fault as Republicans because no, you know, the Democrats no. would never let that happen. If that Do- was us, Doherty. no way. That's Doherty, not true. Doherty, Doherty, Doherty real yes. quick. The Republicans, including Trey Dowdy and Jim Jordan, are talking about holding Lisa Page in contempt. Right. Okay. Do it. And yes. then what? They held Eric Holder in contempt. Now we do have the right president, so they should go for it. But the clock is ticking. They're just running the clock. What people don't understand is when Congress ends and the new Congress comes in, everything goes on reset. So now that we're deep into 2018, everyone's just running the clock, running the clock, running the clock. And, and you know, Stork, and that would be great. Do you think Peter Stork or Lisa Page will go to jail? Um, no, I don't. But they should. But Andrew, but Andrew McCabe. Yes, I, he, he's, I think he's the most vulnerable. But, but here's, here's, I want to say one thing. I want to say one thing. Before Daryl Issa, okay, the House Oversight Committee was the House Cover-Up Committee. And after Daryl Issa, the House Oversight Committee is the House Cover-Up Committee. Okay, I don't care if it's Jason Chavis or Trey Gowdy. I don't care who the hell it is. Waxman, they, you, when you are in the oversight in the House of Representatives, by and large, your party leads. And there's a nonverbal agreement that we all kind of cover for each other because power goes back and forth, and we don't want people going to jail around here. <laughs> so, so they whistle past the graveyard, and they have these theater hearings. Then Daryl Issa showed up, and everyone went nuts. And if you think back in history, it was Daryl Issa that started this thing with the uh, IRS and Benghazi and relentless, relentless stuff. And, boy, did he get beat up. By John Boehner, he got John the snot beat out of him, and so I'm just saying, no, they're not going to do anything. And if and the Democrats wouldn't do it either. The Democrats bring, are worse at ignoring crime. They will not bring, be Republican. They might impeach him, but they're all about appearance. They are not about accountability. You bring up a great point, uh, Doherty, and I said this on my show many times before. Uh, on previous episodes that I have found that a lot of this testifying in front of Congress, like with all of these people that have broken the law, it's all theater. It's all an act. They all know what's going to happen. They go behind a room and talk, and I think it's all scripted. I mean, do you agree in a sense? It's not scripted. 
I mean, I mean, it's scripted in the sense that you have to turn everything in the day before. Um, no, but knowing the sense. outcome. But, but no one, no one, no one told me. No one, no, no one, to, no, no one told me what to say. No one. I had turned everything in by the the, the the afternoon before, and and they were adamant about that, and they had to know what I was going to do. But no one, no one said a word. I mean, as a matter of fact, I was allowed extra time. Now, you know, that's not my point. The point is though the topics of them. The the um, I mean, oh, here's the perfect example. Remember the guy that, that bought the the AIDS drug company, and then he immediately raised the price up. He's in jail yes. now for insider training. Yes, you're yeah. Shiraka okay. or something. He has some, uh, right, right, right. Okay. Weird. Well, yeah. so there's a perfect example. When you see Jason Chaffetz was the head of House Oversight at the time, biggest waste of time in the Republican Party is Jason Chaffetz, complete bonehead, and <laughs> and he is he is sitting there, and so when you see him and Elijah Cummings smiling together. <laughs> There is, let me tell you, there is trouble with a capital T. And so they're, and here's what they're doing. They're just mocking the public via the press. What the hell are they going to do to this guy? Nothing. It was, but, but since most of, the populace, pu- most of the populace doesn't understand what goes on in Congress and doesn't get what's really going on in these hearings, they, they do it because it's theater, and it makes it look like they're doing something. Because people forget. They just assume you know, who would, who would think they weren't doing anything? You, that people would think you're a negative person if you said that. So, and that's what most people think. So it, it was the perfect, perfect ploy. Here is this outrageous guy, and he's not likable on any side. So it's the perfect time for these two to get together and use it and play kumbaya and bipartisan, reach across the aisle. But something that is just a joke as far as what they can impact. And my favorite part about that whole thing, and my publicist got really mad at me because – after that scumbag tweeted out, I can't, something to the effect of, I can't believe the idiots we have in Congress. And I laughed my head off because he's right. And, and so people are like, we don't want to see anyone you agreeing with this guy. Well, I'm like, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be in trouble, but that was an exercise in theater. That was exploitation of a bad guy not hold him accountable. That, that's welcome to Congress. Once again, this is why Trey Gowdy's out of there. Yeah. Exactly. Right, that's my rant about that. Exactly, and uh, you know, Josh, I know you want to speak on this real quick. Go ahead, and I know you, I know you had a thought yeah. on the uh, abortion thing as well. I'm sorry I didn't uh, get your thought on that. Well, I mean, to first off, to talk about uh, Scarelli was the guy's name that you were you were referencing with the AIDS medicine, but. I mean, yeah. that was Skrill, a hilarious situation. He has a weird last name, Skrillic or something. I don't know. Skrill, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I don't Skrilli. Know how to it's, it. it's Skrilli. I, I, just, uh, I just Googled it because some of his videos are hysterical, by the way. If you watch that whole, uh, you know, them yeah. uh, having him in front of Congress, it was such a, you know, joke. All he did was sit there and plead the fifth and make fun of Congress. You know what they did? Absolutely nothing because they don't want to do anything. I mean, Doherty, you're 110% right. No one's going to go to jail unless they have to uh, to cover up their butts. No, why would they send someone to jail? There's no there's no benefit to them. Why well, he, would they do something? He did go. He to, did go to just jail. Just put you them in that, bad right? light. He did, but not for anything he did if, with involving Congress. They they right. could have sent you know um, done things to him. They did nothing to him. He went to he went to jail for his hedge funds, which had nothing to do it, with him hiking yes. up the. The price of the the AIDS, you know, medication. All they um, did was and, you know, step into the perfect victim. It's just like what they're doing to Manafort right now yep. in solitary confinement. No, it is outrageous. They've got yep. that guy in solitary. It's ridiculous. Mm. 
no, you know, you're, you're 100 percent right. And then and <clears throat> and, and, and to, to, to touch on you know the the Roe v. Wade stuff, I do agree that I don't think anything's going to happen with Roe v. Wade. I think it'll I think it'll stand, even though I don't you know I'm I'm a I'm a former lobbyist of the most um, pro life bill in Congress right now, and I still don't think anything's going to happen to it. And the reason being is the court hates saying it was wrong. The only thing that we can possibly convince the court of is, um, you know, to take it to say that, well, we just didn't have the, you know, the, the uh, medical, um, uh, uh, you know, procedures we have now to prove different things. They, they can basically, you can get them to change and come up, you know, with different restrictions of weeks for different reasons, heartbeat, brain activity, whatever. But I, I don't think Roe v. Wade is ever going to disappear um, just be, even though it's a poor written decision, it just won't because the courts hate saying that they were wrong. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's basically, you know, you know, crapping on a dead person's grave. You're saying all these justices that, you know, uh, uh, worded it this way were wrong. They're, they're not going to say that. It's their predecessors. Why would they do that? <clears throat> Bustler, you, you want to respond to that? Uh, I agree with them. I, I don't think they're going to overturn anything. Um, yeah. For the Supreme Court to get involved, it, the, somebody has to uh, bring some kind of legal action. It's got to you know, work its way up. Um, right. I, I don't see that happening either. I would agree with everybody else. Regarding um, Lisa Page, she, she did get a subpoena. She did not um, show up. Uh, yeah. She will likely be held in contempt, but being held in contempt of Congress, Congress can't prosecute. So if, if they find Probably. somebody is held in contempt of Congress, they then have to take it to a judge. And in Washington, uh, D.C. District, you're getting a lot of liberal judges. And then the judge has to agree um, you know, to go ahead and prosecute or, or jail them, and that's not likely to, to uh, happen. So uh, and somebody mentioned, I think Doherty mentioned, when uh, Michael, uh, when Eric Holder, rather, was held in contempt of Congress, uh, nobody yes, prosecuted anything, true. and it was just kind of a, you know, a note in his personnel file, <laughs> and that's all it, it uh, came to. Now tomorrow, uh, Strzok has to testify uh, in a public hearing. Um, I don't know. Um, I know he's testified already in private, and there was a lot of um, heated discussion. Yeah, and he didn't answer all the, the questions really. At least the uh, many of the people asking didn't didn't think so. Uh, now he's going to do it in public. There even some talk about yeah. uh, having both Page and Strzok testify in public at the same time, because apparently Strzok, uh, when asked about some of the text messages, said, "Well, I didn't write them. Lisa wrote them. You, you have to ask her about it." So there is some talk about bringing both of them in there, and you know. And when you ask one, you can see exactly what uh, what the, each person meant. I can't imagine what Strzok can say to justify some of those emails uh, that or those text messages rather that he wrote to Lisa Page. Um, he may claim, you know, I was in a relationship with her. I wanted to seem like uh, I had a little more power than I did, so maybe I was exaggerating there. Um, I, I don't know what other kind of defense he could possibly come up with. So it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're going to find out a lot. What are your predictions, Doherty? I'm, I'm your, I'm your 
skeptic on all this. And the only reason I think it's good is public is so, so, that, so these assumptions that citizens put in their head can get shattered finally. Uh, but it, it's – look, we've allowed this mess to build for a century, okay? It, to be this bad is a tipping point. But make no mistake, you can't clean up this much of a fiasco in, in a, even a term, okay? And, and these people know it. And they will fight it. They will fight it tooth and nail any way is necessary to to have their great gig of of you know lifelong income and and cushy life and no accountability destroyed. So uh, I don't think I, you know there should be great theater. It's going to boil down to what Trump wants to do. And I think you know uh, listen, if the Democrats lose as badly as I hope they do then Katie bar the door because he is going to have Ryan's going to be gone. Uh, people are going to start getting the message and maybe we can spring up some more politicians that think this way. Mark Meadows will come right out, out of the, out of the, out of the, out of the lion's cage. <laughs> old Jim Jordan. And, uh, you know, we'll, we might get some stuff going. And Mitch McConnell might have to find testosterone other than, you know, when Haley's comet flies by. And so maybe that'll change, but, you know, I don't. In the short term, I mean, it's tougher than you think to hold these people accountable, and don't think they don't know it. You can tell on the smirks on their face. I mean, go ahead. Uh, you know, um, I, um, I was going to say one one thing, Butler here. I was going to say one one thing. It, it surprises me that of all these people that could be in legal jeopardy. I would think they would go to one of them and say, listen, we'll give you immunity and just tell everything you know about everybody. And as long as you're honest and tell everything, we'll give you immunity. I mean, that's I typically what's done in, in cases like this. Yeah, but you have immunity. to have you have to have someone other than Jeff Sessions, and you have to have, you know, Trey Gowdy that's still not in the bag with – I mean, Trey Gowdy has a huge bias, pro-FBI, pro-DOJ. The public right. is beating this. Not out of it, but I'm telling you, th- these people are in a little mini cult, a fraternity. They've gone to law school together. They've come up together. They all know each other, and they don't want to break the social ties. And that's what this boils down to. And you know, I don't know who's going to burn it down, but Jeff Sessions has been what? <laughs> you think Jeff is going to go in there with what he's been doing lately? I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's crazy. You know, the uh, attorney general is, is supposed to have the president's back. I mean, you yeah, take a look at over the years, the attorney generals that the uh, presidents of attorneys general presidents have had, and they really uh, have their back. I don't know where Sessions it, has been on anything. He recused himself in this whole Russia here's thing. The, here's the problem, yeah. though, with Jeff Sessions. He ha- He's MIA on everything. Like, he's, in my <laughs> strong opinion, He's a part of all of these crooks and, and swamp creatures in Washington. I mean, he used to be so conservative, you know, back in the day, but now he's controlled by people like Rod Rosenstein. We all know that. Um, you know, yeah. it, no. Sorry. Come on, dude. I mean, I know, so I, why I, is Jeff no, no, no. stepping up? He's controlled. I'm, why is I'm he not disagreeing up? with you. I'm just disagreeing with your reasons why. Okay, Sessions was, for years, had the reputation of the guy that just didn't give a shit. And and he and he was you know he wasn't even the first but choice to run for the Senate. I'm talking about his conservative voting record. I'm talking about his. I get it. I get it. I get it. But this is he's in the. He, there is no voting in the Justice Department, and so it's, I know. it's a different. 
I, I know you know that. I'm just saying it's a different animal. He's still conservative. It's how he's playing chess, and I don't – I truly am at a loss as to why he is doing what he's doing. I don't know if he's – I mean, I hope above hope that he's just letting it play out so they all hang him, themselves and he yanks it in the, in the 13th inning. I don't know. But I will guarantee you the man is still conservative. I don't understand why he is just letting this go on and on and on and on. But, I mean, it's, it, he's, maybe he's doing what these, these justice investigators do. They just let things die. I mean, the Mueller thing, I, you know, I can see the Mueller thing, you know, ripping the, company, the country to shreds for four or five years, yes. climbing up the Supreme Court and get blown right out the door. I mean, it, it's a fiasco. And you're never going to unfiasco it. But uh, he probably wants it to die just maybe so that the left will finally one day see that how corrupt it was. That's never going to happen. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm just guessing. But well, Jeff Sessions is still well, conservative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, well, here's two, here's two important things. Is somebody paying him behind closed doors? Is he getting all this money maybe from the Clint, somebody through the Clintons? We don't know. Is he's controlling Oh, hell no. Or, there's no way. There is no way. But, dude, dude, you cannot disagree. He was supposed to be the tough guy that would step up, and he hasn't. And I'm wondering. Yeah, okay, here's but the, I don't leapfrog. Here's the million-dollar question. Here's the million-dollar yeah. question. Why hasn't Trump fired him? Why hasn't Trump is the expert at firing people Politics. that don't do their job? Yeah, he can't. He can't. Why? Yeah, he can't, he, he can't fire him. Po- politically, it, it would be a disaster for him. Yeah, he's got to let Sessions stay in there he, as much as he, I think, would like right? to fire him. He, well, and, that, and, that's and, the next thing. you got to deal with Rosenstein. I don't know why he doesn't fire Rosenstein, but, again, that's politics, too, and that would look awful um, if well, he, he did could, that. He could replace – there's so many people in line that could replace Jeff Sessions' job, job in one day. I mean, don't you agree that somebody should something should happen? Fire both of them. I mean, yeah, I don't. That would Rory, set off a political firestorm. I'd be afraid. Yeah, R- Rory, I'm telling you, have to do, it, this is it why it's called House of Cards. It's called House of Cards, not House of Card, and this is why because it's all dominoes. But. It's midnight here. I've been on an hour and a half, and I must get up really early. So I'm way past my bedtime and half an hour past where I was going to stay. And I know poor Josh, and, and, and I'm sorry, madam, I forgot your name, Josh. Valerie. Um, Valerie, want to get a word in edgewise. So I'm going to go. Michael, real and, quick before you go, Michael, real quick, I do want to yeah. announce to everyone, everyone while you're on, um, Judge Janine Pirro will be on my show in two weeks on July 24th. Wow. Excellent. Are you kidding? I'm, I'm, I'm 100% serious. I, I, I'm seeing her Monday night. I'm going to her book launch in New York. I'm there. She's coming, yeah, so she's coming to on to promote picture. her book. That's great. Excellent. You're going to Wonderful. her book launch? Explain. You're going there? Yeah, I'm gonna be at Fox. I'm gonna be at Fox on uh, on. Uh, I'm at the Fox launch party for a book on Monday in New York. So it's uh, basically any... it's. Hmm? Oh no! Go ahead, keep going. No, it's just basically I, I, you know, all the Fox people in New York and her and some miraculous, bizarre reason I got invited. I don't. I don't ask uh, when when the fates line up. I don't. I don't question anything. I just show. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. But she's awesome. 
Right, and Michael, um, you know, you're a very good friend of the show. Um, you're going to be a part of the, the Next Gen USA, uh, and uh, we, we, we love having you on. Um, I do want to say, you know, anything you want to promote right now, your book, your website, you've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I'm right. You know, look, I'll, I'll say it's a, the book is the devil inside the beltway and the best place to get it's Amazon and audiobook, ebook, hardcover and softcover. And it's basically, a, this is how you do it of how the agencies run you and roll you. We have a government right now that doesn't enforce laws. They intimidate you into submission. And as long as we, uh, allow it to happen and don't understand what's going on, it'll continue to happen. So that's why I wrote the book. And, uh, and your website? that's sort of it. The devil inside the beltway dot com. And that way you don't have to figure out how to spell my name. Because really it's Michael J. Doherty dot com, but the devil inside the beltway dot com will get you there. And you can actually download chapter one um for free if you want to get get pulled in. Perfect, perfect. And Michael, I do want to say um, oh God, I hate when I lose my Which train Michael? Are we talking Doherty again? <laughs> I'm talking to Doherty. Yeah, before you go, Doherty. Um, oh God, you, you there was something about. Uh, oh, real quick. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about the Supreme Court Kavanaugh though. But two seconds. Are you very happy? Very satisfied with Trump's pick, or would you rather see um, somebody else? You know, I mean, I, I'm happy. I don't Barrett? think I could be unha- I couldn't be unhappy. He's. I mean, look, you couldn't have gone wrong with any of them. He, if, if, of the four, he's the safer one, but that's because he is such a great guy. He is right. so uh, likable. He, is, he does honor the Constitution. Uh, you know, he's, um, you know, what can you say? But, you know, I'm, I am from the University of Michigan, and I do have spent some time with Ketheridge, and, you know, I'm kind of hoping for him. But, but that's so, you know, I'm tired of... Yale, Yale, Harvard, Harvard, Yale, Yale, Harvard, Harvard. Okay, come on. <laughs> but you know, we got we got more we got more justices coming up. So we you're, got, you're you know you've been all over the place, Doherty. You're a very famous guy. You're a celebrity, brother. I'm not um, famous. I'm not a celebrity. <laughs> y- yes, you are, man. And uh, but uh, you know, yeah, I am. I mean, that that was my mindset as well, though. What you said, the last four that. Trump had with it, what four he was going to pick. I was satisfied with any one of them. They were all great. But he is he is an insider of the Washington outsiders, and he is a fantastic human being. And yep. and again, being in the Federal Society as I've been the past five years and spending a lot of time in D.C., I I had a great time watching because I'm seeing. John Malcolm cracking up and holding, taking pictures next to Trump in the front yard. And Leonard Leo looks like he's going to burst with pride. He's so excited. And, and it's a great thing. I mean, it is a great thing what happened here because, you yeah. know, and hats off to Leonard Leo. I mean, he right. has really gotten the ear and the respect of Donald Trump and a good yep. CEO yep. brings people that know more than they do around them. And the yep. great thing that Trump has done is he has listened to Don McGahn and he has listened to Leonard Leo. And that's why we have such a deep bench and we've got good people. Because I'm telling you, Don McGann and Leonard Leo, man, those guys are straight up awesome. So it's pretty cool. It's really cool. So, yeah. you know, who could, who could complain? Absolutely. All well right. said, Michael. And uh, Doherty, thank you for coming on. Uh, we love All you. All right. Good um, talking and, to you guys. Uh, absolutely. Thank Doherty, you. we'll talk to you again soon. A bustler, you'll right. stay on the line. Um, but thanks, George. Yeah, I'll Good stay night. a little longer. I'm, 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 I'm a.
I'm on the East Coast, too, so I'm after midnight, so I'll stay on another minute or two, and then I'm going to go. Oh, we have, we, have about, we have about 10 minutes left in the show. I'd love to have you for the last couple se- segments. <clears throat> okay, um, yep. I do, I do want to ask you, um, well, I do want to make some qu- big announcements that are huge. Uh, food stamp usage, usage drops below 40 million for the first time in eight years. That's unbelievable. <clears throat> yeah, since 2010, uh, yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Um, the Trump administration has announced its new tariffs on the $200 billion of China goods. <laughs> You're an economist. What's yeah. your thoughts on that? Well, um, I'm, a, I'm a free market economist, so generally I don't favor any tariffs on, on anything. The problem is that the trade agreements that we've gotten into, NAFTA, the ones with the European Union are slanted yes. in the favor of our trading partners. NAFTA was the worst Trump, deal ever created. Yes. Trump is not a politician, so he's not concerned with political correctness. He's a business person, and a business person once sees a problem, confronts a problem, wants to get it solved as quickly as possible, get it implement the solution implemented, and move move on. Trump wants to make these deals fair. His his ultimate goal would be not to have tariffs on anything. Um, politically, he's probably not going to get there, but that would be his goal. Right now, we have these lopsided deals where the tariffs are in favor of our trading partners. For instance, European Union, um, they make a car in Germany or France or somewhere, sell it to the U.S., they pay in a 2.5% tariff. An American car company makes a car, sells it in Europe, we pay a 10% tariff. So yeah, yeah. Trump wants things now to be fair, and he wants to bring people to the bargaining table as quickly as possible. How do you do that? In business, you create a sense of urgency. And what he's at, done with the tariffs is create a sense of urgency. China, especially, will have to come to the table quickly. If this continues, it will cripple their economy, which has been growing tremendously for a decade now, built mostly on debt. Now, the thing with debt is you need steady income to be able to cover the, uh, to service the, the debt. So if this turns into a, a trade war, China will get clobbered. They'll never let it happen. They'll have to come to the bargaining table and negotiate something that's fair. And that's what Trump is trying to do. He's not a president that's going to kick the can down the road like other presidents. He's confronting the problem. He wants to bring him to the table as quickly as possible, and let's get something resolved that's fair for everybody. You're absolutely right. I mean, like, for, there's examples. The America First economy has secured yes. a 10-year employment high for manufacturing workers. The auto industry uh, is booming, and we're getting it back in, uh, in certain areas. Um, there's a lot of different car companies that are starting to build their plants here, doing their stuff here, which is yes. great. Uh, yes. And bringing 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 a lot of companies back. Um, you know, we're, we're we're seeing all of this, uh, you know, evidence right in front of us. And uh, you know, right. sadly, sadly, the left wing media wants to play it off and not uh, acknowledge it, which is uh, which is a problem. Um, yeah. So, Josh, you, you, the you're. Oh, go ahead. Your original question I was going to say was about the size of the tariffs. Nobody likes tariffs. None of us do. Uh, I think they'll be very short-lived because I think China will start negotiating with us within the next couple of months. 
It's just about yeah. reciprocal and fair. You know what I mean? We've been taking advantage of it for so long. And and the way you said it was great. I mean, the way you presented, you know, they're going to have to go to the negotiating table. And, you know, right. we know Trump is one, is one of the best negotiators ever uh, to live. And he's going to sit at that table. And, uh, you know, they're not going to uh, try to play Trump or try to, you know, they, there's going to be a deal signed. And it's going to be a fair deal. Right. And uh, it'll be something that'll be done much uh, more quickly than if somebody other than Trump was was in there. Um, I, I'm I'm optimistic that this uh, whole trade conflict and the war's really been going on for a long time. They've been beating the heck out of us for a long time to the tune of hundreds of billions, not millions, billions of dollars flowing out of the country, out of the U.S. every year as a result of these lopsided deals. No more, Trump says. Uh, and he even said today, uh, the U.S. is not the world's piggy bank anymore. Uh, so exactly. he's going to bring these people to the table, and we're going to resolve this. Yeah, that's exactly what I, was, I said earlier. Um, uh, Josh, go ahead, yeah. and then Valerie. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it, like I said, you know, all show today, and I said yesterday, it's, you know, uh, and I mean, for the last few weeks, it's it's really good that we finally have, uh, you know, a president that is willing to is willing to address these things that other presidents have ignored, um, you know, and is willing to take things head on instead of instead of acting like it's not their job to take care of. Um, you know, President Trump has a, has a unique uh, has a unique uh, gift for working deals, which you know he's uh, he's implemented throughout his whole life, and he says I really I really don't think there's anybody else um, suited. Suited to be suited to be president, other than him right now. He has come in. Is I I I do believe that that he's a you know a gift from God. There's no one else that could be doing the things he's doing right now. Yeah, you're 100 uh, percent correct. Um, there he is. He is a gift from God. There's a new delivery, a new promise uh, fulfilled every single day. I mean, we're seeing it. Uh, Valerie, go ahead. Actually, I concur. I mean, I, I don't have anything <laughs> new to add to the conversation. Um, we've had covered so many subjects over the hour. Um, I just, you know, I, I agree that, you know, I want to sing Trump's praises, and I wish that uh, more Americans, you know, saw really what he's doing instead of getting blinded by uh, the media. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he, here's um, – I want to just make a couple announcements, which are kind of funny. Um, less less than a fraction of Democrats in new poll don't want Hillary running again. But she um, – you know, we had, a, we, had a, <laughs> we had a political strategist on the other night who, who's done very well with predictions. And uh, she's apparently uh, – and he knows some insiders, and she's apparently suiting up. Uh, putting, yeah. getting a lot of money, getting a lot of money, and getting ready to run again, uh, which they don't want her to. Uh, I don't think she has a chance, but uh, you know she doesn't. She doesn't have a chance, obviously, not not one. She doesn't have a. She does not have a prayer. But it's just ridiculous how she wants to, uh, you know, uh, you know, commit commit insanity, do the same thing over and over, and expect a different result. She's nuts. Um, but and then a poll showed today that 25% of Americans want to abolish ICE. So now we have a fraction of America that wants to abolish ICE. I didn't think it was that high, but 
bill that at least does is the, not. Does the poll say if the American that want to abolish ICE know what it is? Uh, no, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Unfortunately, good question though. Very good, very good question. Um, it's it's one of those things that uh, you know. I can't even believe it's a, it's a talking point. They save our lives. They're the people that are the real heroes. I mean, they, they every day say bye to their families, and there's no guarantee that they're going to come home. I mean, they, they deal with dangerous scenarios all every second of every day, and we want to abolish them. We want to have open borders. We want to have people coming in that we know nothing about. Give me a break. I think the people that want to abolish it, um, just believe that those are the people that are separating families, and they don't want families right. to be separated. Therefore, ICE should go. But they, I don't think they really understand the full ramifications of what ICE does and how important they are. You know, it's all media. And, and, yep. and you know, and you know how there there was a report out today. A veteran was forced to sell his condo after an HOA fined him for displaying a U.S. flag. Can you believe that? Oh, my God. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, what has this country, what has this country come to? Wow. Can I think I remember years ago there was a case that somebody came to school wearing a Mexican flag and somebody came to school wearing an American flag and the American had to go home and change. Do you remember that case? It was you yeah, know, I do vaguely. It's supposed to be embarrassing now to be proud to be an American. Unbelievable! It's it's really yeah. sad. I mean, the way the, what it's turned yep. into. And Rory, it's a real shame because America pretty much coined the phrase patriotic and patriot. Yeah. I mean, we we made. You know, we made that word kind of mean what it means. Other countries copied, used to copy the ways that we were, you know, excited about anything our country did that was, you know, good. Um, and now, now it's come full circle to where even when we do something good, um, you know, is, is knocked on. And, you know, even, and, you know, politics almost matters more. And it, well, not even almost, it does. Politics matters more than results now, which it's, it's an absolute shame. Um, right. With you know at least like you know half of the country that voted vo- that voted for Hillary, a lot of them still su- support a lot of what her ideas are and hate Trump. And it has nothing to do with what yeah. Hillary said or what Trump says or does. It all has to do with what side Trump supports and what the media says about him. Right. Yeah. True. Um, we have about a minute left. Um, I do want to say real quick though. Um, there was an announcement I wanted to make. Um, you know, the, the, the ridiculousness of of um, you know what the what the liberal left has turned into, and the, the mentality and the hostility and the radicalization and the ignorance and the entitlement and the bigotry. I mean, you don't agree with them, they immediately attack you. I mean, that's what we're dealing with. Um, and scary, and we have a lot to. We have to fight back. We can't let we can't let this shit happen. You know what I mean. But I want to thank yep. I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for coming on. Um, real quick, Michael, uh, in thirty seconds, 
do you what do you think about the do- Trump wanting to double military military spending, uh, asking NATO and our allies to contribute? Because that's been a big problem in the past. Yeah. Um, look, uh, we're we're defending them. Uh, so uh, we recognize that we're the most powerful and we'll end up paying a little more, but we can't pay 70% of NATO's budget and the only, the exactly. other 25 nations only pay 30%. So I support Trump a hundred percent in standing up yep. for America. Absolutely. Michael Bustler, everybody, uh, Michael, please promote anything you have. Go ahead. Uh, about 10 um, seconds. Just if anybody's in- interested in any of my columns, I have a, a page on Facebook uh, it's called Funding Democracy, the Economics of Freedom. So if you just do uh, Facebook.com slash Funding Democracy, you can see my last two, 300 columns. And your website? Uh, that's, that's what I use as, a, as the website, the Facebook page. Okay, perfect. And you're going to be a part of the next Gen USA, which we're very excited about. I'm looking forward to it. All right, M- Michael. Michael Buster, right, everybody. Always a pleasure. Good friend take of the care. show. We'll have you back on soon. Cheers. Great. All right, uh, Valerie, go ahead. Promote anything you have. Real quick, 10 seconds. You so know the book that your, just came book? out that I wrote is called Backyard Jihad, How Parents Can Detect the Invisible Threat of Radicalization. My website yep. is um, backyardjihad.com, and I also have a blog that you can get to from there. Perfect. And Josh, where, people can find you on Instagram, right? Yeah, just uh, follow me on Instagram at J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V as in Victor, A-T-Y. And uh, Josh will be on joining us on our new media site, The Next Gen USA, as will Valerie. Can't well. wait. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. You can visit rorysodder.tv. Please also visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com. Also, MakingChristianityGreatAgain.com. MakingChristianityGreatAgain.com. It's been an amazing show. We've had great guests. Uh, There's some stuff I didn't get to today I will get to tomorrow. Um, I want to, uh, again, thank all my audience. God bless you all. I hope you have a great night, and uh, we will see you tomorrow, everybody. And I want to – God bless. Cheers. Take care.